Amen, amen. I wonder if we can just open up our time here this morning with some thanksgiving to God. Just go ahead and thank him right now. Thank him for what he's done, what he's doing, what he has yet to do. Thank him for who he is. He's my king. He's my Lord and my God. He's my savior. He's my redeemer. He's my friend. He, oh, hallelujah. Come on, give him some thanks in this place. Go ahead. Go ahead and let that resound for a bit. Hallelujah. Yes. Oh, God. I'm overwhelmed by your presence, oh God. I thank you for your presence that is here, that dwells within each of us, oh Lord. Hallelujah. 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 I'd like to welcome you all in Jesus' name for, to our first half of service and welcome all of you that are joining us online today. I know we've got some that are out sick today, so we're praying for you in Jesus' name. And I want to say also that if you are watching online and you haven't made it yet to the church building, I and many others look forward to meeting you one day. Amen. And I also pray that you feel his presence each day. I'd like to take you to the book of 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. And while I would like to read this chapter in its entirety, I'll be walking through it. But for this morning, I want to start reading from verse 45. So let's go ahead and stand if you're able for the reading of the word. 1 Samuel 17, 45. Then said David to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hands, and I will smite you and take your head from you, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel." And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took from it a stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And for our time together this morning, I want to preach to you on this topic, facing your giants, facing your giants. And as you're taking your seats, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, I thank you for this time that we can gather together to learn more about your word and how we can apply every last bit of it to our journey with you. I pray for those under the sound of my voice today that they would and would continue to be a hearer and a doer of your word. Help me, Lord, with each day to be nothing more and nothing less than a vessel for you. And as your word goes forth, I pray all of this in your matchless and marvelous name. And everybody say amen. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Yes. In you may be seated. In leading up to this passage of scripture, we find David who was minding his own business in the field, shepherding his flock of sheep, protecting these sheep from the wolves, the bears, the lions, whatever predator may decide to try to defy him and attack 
his sheep. We also read somewhere down the road of this Philistine giant, this defier of the Israelite army. Some, some, someone who thought who the Philistines believed could follow through with the defiance as he yelled over the plains, Come on, you Israelites, aren't you going to fight me? Bring it on. Built for whatever and whoever he may face. He was well armed and ready to fight. And his attitude was just the same. Fear swept through the Israelite camp as these shouts came from this giant, wondering who would fight or who could stand to fight. Saul thought, I know who could fight them. One of, one of, one of Jesse's sons, Saul grabbed his three oldest sons, leaving David the youngest. But those three, but with those three, David followed them to the battlefield. And we read that after some deliberation and doubt that was spread, it was David that would fight and defeat the giant. You may read this passage often and think nothing more of it than, yeah, David won, he beat the giant. Some of you may read this passage and find courage to fight whatever giant that you are facing. In your life, church, at some point or another, there will be giants that you will have to face and deal with and ultimately overcome. These giants that we face can and do come in all shapes and sizes, but are often all referred to, no matter the size, as giants because of how they affect us, namely our walk with God. And as I was praying about this, God showed me three different ways that these giants rear their ugly heads. That's physically and something that we can see, mentally and something that we think, and emotionally and something that we feel. And while I want to move on from this, I've felt so impressed in my spirit to walk through these types of giants because while we can and will defeat the giants with Jesus at the helm, I do think it's important that we recognize them, not to put them on a stage or on a platform, but to understand just what they are. And that first giant is that of the physical. This could literally be someone or something that is affecting you it could be someone who is trying to stand between you and God. When I think about this, I first and foremost think about the people that I surround myself with. The question that you can ask is, are the people in my life that I allow, or do, do I allow them to negatively influence me? Are they negatively influencing me? Because while I may not see it on the outside, at the beginning, spoken words have power, both those that are positive and those that are negative. Now, I know that some can more easily overcome this than others, but if it's a giant for you, the only way to remove that giant is to, well, remove it. No, that does not necessarily come in the form of a stone that you sling, and I'm not telling you to go and cause physical harm to somebody or something, but it does come in the form of removing yourself from whatever negative thing that may be influencing you. You see, it may not move. You might have to. <laughs> but it's not just a person that could be affecting you, but maybe a possession or something of those sorts. And like I said before, you may not see it right away from the outside. In the story of the prodigal son, the son took his inheritance and left because on the surface, having all of this money, these gifts, and whatever else may have been included in that inheritance was great. He was about to go and live his dream. 
But the love of money, the earthly possessions, and more was more than he could handle. And all of that influence, inheritance, was wasted. And there he was, in the end, eating with the pigs. We know that wasn't the end, but there he was. That's where he caught himself. Which is interesting and sort of off topic, just hear me out. But when I was growing up, and maybe even some kids these days, put my coins into what? A piggy bank. That's probably for another time. But, but don't be mistaken. The Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil, but rather the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is something you can see, but what it does to your inside is up to you. Which leads us right into that second type of giant, the mental giant, what you think about something. And oftentimes this Mental and the emotional, the third, are tied in together. The Bible says in the first part of Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Basically saying you are what you think you are. And while there are many facets that can be taken from this, it all comes down to what you think about it. Some of you may have heard something like, what you think about something will be the outcome. You see, church, we can think ourselves into a corner and then all of a sudden feel trapped by those thoughts because of where they cornered us. But all the while, it was us who thought these things that put us into this corner in the first place. In other words, you can become trapped by your own thoughts. And this ties right in with the emotional side of it, the third giant, because when we find ourselves in this corner, we can struggle to see a way out, which leads us to the emotional response of, I can't take it anymore. I need help. I'm not sure I can move forward. Why me? Why is this happening to me? If I were to put these on a scale of easiest to most difficult to overcome, it would be the emotional side, right along with the mental, at a close second. In all of these giants that I have mentioned, there's a question that was raised. A question that some, believe, I believe, have asked before when facing a giant, and that is, why won't this giant just die? Or why won't it just move? Why won't it just go away? There you are, with your stone ready in your hand, and you load it into that sling, and you're ready to sling it. You're ready to defeat that giant. But somewhere along that time frame, you feel a pull of sorts to let down your sling, to let down your guard. No matter how you look at the giants that you may face, I believe that while sometimes we recognize those giants, we fail to defeat them because of the temptation that they bring with them. The temptation to let our guards down and just give in. The temptation to drop the sling and walk with it. The temptation of on the surface, everything being okay, but once we delve into it, becoming trapped. Temptations themselves, in what the Lord showed me, can and do form themselves as giants. But there's a tendency, and I'm not just preaching to you, because as I point one finger out to you, all of you, there are three pointing right back at me. 
So understand, there's this tendency to turn a blind eye to the ill effects of those temptations. And in doing so, it's almost like feeding that giant. And in turn, the giant becomes bigger. He becomes stronger. Your desire to follow after that becomes increasingly more difficult to fight off. It becomes more difficult to just turn away from it. Those temptations... Those temptations form themselves in three ways as we read in 1 John 2, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And in remembering how Jesus, when he fasted for 40 days, was tempted, he was tempted in these three ways. The lust of the flesh, tempting to turn the stone to bread. The lust of the eyes, jumping off the pinnacle of the temple. And the pride of life, standing atop of a high mountain, seeing all the kingdoms of the world. Furthermore, concerning these temptations, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. In other words, Jesus went through it already, and others may have gone through it too. Don't put yourself on an island. He came out unscathed. So can you. I stand before you today and declare to you that you can come out from under that. You can come out from beneath that. You can defeat it. The reason these temptations are hard to shake is because that's what they are. They're temptations. It's in their makeup. It's in their design. Temptations don't just start here on the outside. No, because all it takes is a look. And from that look, a thought about it. And from that thought about it, a decision. And from that decision, an action. But back up a few steps with me because while the temptation may not go away, your mindset about the temptation can change. It must change. You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that the temptation can no longer have the same effect as it did before. Where does it start? It starts with the thought. And doing what with that thought? Taking that thought captive. And when we read about taking our thoughts captive, it's imperative that we follow through with that so that we do not find ourselves cornered by these thoughts. Now, I'm thankful for the Lord who does not leave us in a corner, but helps us to realize as we seek him, first, how we got there, but also a better way out. The only way out. The only way out is through him. Whether there is something that is physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, or any of these giants do tie together in that spiritual realm. There is a war for our souls. I was just talking to y'all about that this morning. And this war is one that is ongoing and will continue on until the king of glory returns. Understand this. There is a war for our minds. There's a war for our souls. There's things that try to pull at us from all angles. Oh, hallelujah. I was talking with somebody last night and I said it last week, but sometimes we've got to put those spiritual blinders on like the horses do to keep them from going, to keep them from deterring to the right and to the left. But you you want to know what else those blinders do? You want to know what else they do? They can't see, so they're not going to be afraid. You know, when I, when I put my arms out here and I've got my spiritual blinders on, I can't see a thing. But it's when I start to look to the left and when I start to look to the right that things start to get a little sticky. They start to get a little hard. They start to get a little difficult because I'm taking my mind off of who I need to have it on the whole time, and that is Christ Jesus. <laughs> There's a war for our souls. The enemy of our souls wants nothing more than for heaven to be smaller. Yeah. 
The enemy of our souls wants nothing more than to see us perish. And not to put a spotlight on it. But the enemy will try whatever way possible to get you to fall away, to get you to think too much, to react too much, to find yourself lost without hope of rescue. But it is the Lord who will help you defeat those giants. And we read, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And we read just a few verses prior of how David prepared to defeat this giant, prepared for the defeat of it. Back up a few verses with me to verse 37. Of 1 Samuel 17. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head, and also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go. He couldn't go, for he had not proved it, it didn't fit. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these. I have not proved them. I don't fit in them. They're too big. And David put them off of him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near to David. And the man that borne the shield, went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. He, he wasn't this person that, that, that Goliath was expecting. Who's this guy? And when the Philistine looked about, he saw David, he disdained him. And the Philistine, excuse me, verse 43, And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. <laughs> From these verses and this entire passage for that matter, there are, there are five things that I found <laughs> that David used to defeat his giants. And no, I didn't plan on it being five things like the five stones in the brook. I'm not trying to over-sensualize something there. But, but he picked, he, it just so happened to work out that way. And they are commitment, courage, communication, capability, and confidence. First and foremost, David started with commitment. Commitment to be all in without giving in to the choice of turning around to face it another day. No, church, today is that day. The giant must be slayed. The giant that you're facing must be slayed and will be slayed. But it starts with commitment. David was all in from the beginning, wasn't he? He did not hesitate to help his father, his brothers, or the Israelite army. Once he knew the situation and heard Goliath's insults, he was committed to doing what he could to defend his people in the name of the Lord. In fact, if you recall, it said David ran toward the battlefield and said, I'm ready. Defeating your giant must first begin with a determined dedication to do something, to take action. More than just talking about it, more than just complaining about it to your peers or festering about it up here because you and I both know that doing these things just adds to the problem, just makes it even bigger, just feeds that giant even more and encourages the giant even further. It's almost like fuel added to a fire. 
One must be faithful in taking action. As I stated moments ago, it does not always include a physical or verbal confrontation, but it does mean facing the problem directly. The Bible instructs us to commit our works to the Lord and our thoughts will be established. You see, there's a lot to be said about someone with a made-up mind. When you have a made-up mind to commit to defeating your giant, there is nothing that can stand in your way. There is nothing that can stand in your way. You know, a part of that is believing that yourself, saying, as long as I commit my ways to the Lord, there is nothing that can stand in my way. Yes, there may be things that come from here or from here or even from behind and even in your peripherals, but as long as I'm staying focused, and as long as I'm staying focused, those things aren't going to matter. I don't have to worry. I, I can defeat those things so long as I'm walking with the Lord and walking in His Word. God gives you the courage to do it. You're ready to go. Commitment is not where it ends, but merely where it begins. Because as you commit to doing so, you have the courage to do it. And God provides that for you. And there's no one that can accuse David of lacking courage. In fact, David, in the face of adversity and doubt, even by those closest to him, namely his brothers, stood with courage. One of his older brothers thought he was being a little too courageous and questioned why David was even on the scene saying, David, why are you here? Aren't you supposed to be back in the field with the, with the sheep? And David said, well, what does it matter to you that I'm here? Little do you know, and little did he know, I'm about to defeat that giant. You just watch and see. I'm not going to listen to these people over here that are, that are talking negatively about whatever's happening here. I'm not going to listen to this influence over here that says you're never going to make it. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're right. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. But guess who is? The Lord who goes before me. The Lord who fights the battles and goes before me and takes up everything that's behind and walks beside me through it all. But can I tell someone here today that courage is not the absence of fear? It is, however, the ability to act despite the fear. So the question that needs to be asked is, are you willing to step out bravely and confront the giant in your life? Are you willing to say enough is enough? I have to deal with this. Throughout the Bible, we read of being strong and courageous, how God encouraged Joshua three times, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. You see, church, there are a lot of things in life, and life can get pretty overwhelming. Can I get an amen? And of those giants that you've recognized as such may, be, may have instilled a little bit of fear, but when the courage of the Lord takes over, you're not running away, you're running for, hallelujah. That fear has to flee as you get closer, hallelujah, hallelujah. When we read in this same chapter of 1 Samuel that all the men of Israel, when, where they, when they saw the man, the giant, they fled from him, they were sore afraid, it says. And if you put two and two together, when we read, all the men of Israel, wouldn't that have included David? But something came over David. Not just anything, but courage came over David. Courage that pushed David to continue forward in what he had set out to do. 
It was not courage from anyone around him, although there may have been some encouraging him, but it was courage from the Lord who saw many people go through battles and come out victorious. Hallelujah. When God tells you be strong and courageous, that's pointing right back to him saying, my help comes from the Lord. You are my help in time of need. Hallelujah. Take courage to stand in the face of of your giant. And as you stand there, ready to defeat your giant, whatever that may be, use your words. Communication. David didn't just fight with stones. No, he used his words. He went as far as to exposing the lies and the insults of, the, of Goliath and confronted the giant with the truth. He fought not only in the strength of the Lord, but in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. For those that know this already and those of you that don't, let me declare to you again, there is power in your words. Use them wisely. Use them of the Lord. When you speak to the giant and tell it to move and be gone and you believe with every ounce of your faith that it will move and be gone, the word says that he will have whatever he says. Oh, hallelujah. You see, with the Lord on your side, you have the upper hand that cannot be removed, that cannot be taken away so long as you stay in Him, so long as you trust in Him, so long as you walk by faith with Him. Oh, I feel today to encourage somebody, your trust in God has been taken advantage of, but it's time to tell whatever or whoever that has taken advantage just who you are choosing to serve today and choose to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. His word is quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hallelujah. And remember, since his word, his word cannot be broken, his word cannot be shaken. And since we are to mirror the image of Christ, if we follow after Christ and take heed to his word, you know what that means? We cannot be shaken. We cannot be stirred. We cannot be overcome. His word is forever settled in heaven. His word is that lamp unto my feet and that light unto my path. He is with me even in the valley of the giants. Even when I can't see a way out. When I'm choosing to pursue that giant and I'm not looking to the left or to... When I'm not looking to the left or to the right, he is with me even to the ends of the earth. Remember, God has given you the power to trample on serpents, to resist the devil, to defeat the giants that have been hanging around for too long. You are capable and you have the power because he gives you that power. He makes you capable. It's not by might or by power, but by his spirit that makes you capable. Yes, David was not an experienced soldier. He was young. He was not the strongest, the fastest, the smartest, or any of those traits that one may think that they need. But David used a skill that he knew, the stone and the sling. Instead of focusing on what he lacked, hear me, David lit up the stage with what he could bring to the fight. When I think about this, I liken it to our devotion. Any time spent in the Word is not wasted time. Any time spent in prayer it's not wasted time. Oh, I know there could always be more time spent in his word. 
I know there could always be more time spent in prayer, but the time that you do spend is never and will never return null and void. But rather, oh, come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Go ahead. Come on now. Yes. That time spent in prayer, that time spent in the Word, that time spent with Jesus, what it will do is continue to help you to build your arsenal, or rather your pile of stones to fend off the attacks of the enemy. Mm. You know already those things that try to stand between you and God. And when those times come where you stand face to face, you can declare the word of the Lord. So go ahead, church. Go ahead and gather those stones. But first, you've got to get rid of those stones or those thoughts of self-defeat. Thoughts that say you can't be forgiven. Thoughts that say you can't be set free. Thoughts that say you can't move that mountain. Thoughts that say you are stuck. Thoughts that say you'll never have the understanding or the knowledge or the wisdom that you need. Uh, that you can't do this or you can't do that. But let me tell you, hallelujah, as soon as you put those things out and get rid of those negative things, those things that are not of God, what you've got to do is fill yourself up with the things of God. And thus says the word of the Lord, the Lord God goes with me to fight against my enemies and will give me the victory. I am a child of God. God is faithful. He will help me to endure. Put on the full armor of God, hallelujah, so that I may be able to withstand my ground against the day of evil. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, hallelujah. Be strong in the Lord in keeping his promise. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, hallelujah. If God is for us, who can be against us? Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? Hallelujah. You've got to declare the word. Ha! Hallelujah. Oh. You see, church, you may only have to use a stone, one stone, but look at it this way. At least you have this stone to use. At least you have this stone to use. You have it ready your sling drawn, your aim secure. And as you do this, remembering it's not your own power, but the power of his word and the name of the Lord that you are declaring over every trap of the enemy, over every giant that may stand in your way. You sling the stone saying, it is written, it is finished, it is done. Get thee behind me. You have no control. Jesus has the final say. What's this do? It boosts that confidence. And not just your confidence, but to do a play on words, it boosts your God-fidence. After all, that is where it came from in the first place. So all the glory goes back to him who provided it. Hallelujah. I can have all the confidence in the world, but I'd trade every bit of it for some God-fidence. 
<laughs> you better believe that David was confident, but David didn't have this confidence in himself, in his ability to speak to the giant, or even his capabilities with the sling. David's confidence, confidence was in the Lord, the God of angel armies, the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, the King of kings, the one who is mighty to save, the one who is mighty to deliver and heal. Like David, who knew the battle before him was ultimately the Lord's we must realize that the giants we face and the battles thereof belong to the Lord alone. Thank you, Jesus. And two, the victory only comes by and through him. Don't try to rely on your own strength or your own skills today to defeat the giants in your life. If you do so, you will be fearful, you will be anxious, you'll be unsure, insecurities, all those things. But rather turn your fears over to God. For as Paul writes in 2 Timothy verse 1, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There we go again, taking every thought captive, even those fearful ones saying, uh, yeah, God is not the author of fear. He's not the author of confusion. I need to bring that to him right now because I'm not going to be able to handle this on my own. I know I can't handle it on my own. I choose not to do it. I choose not to handle it on my own. I won't do it on my own. And if you're afraid, go ahead and declare to God, I will trust in you. Go ahead and declare that if you need it today. I will trust in you. Ha! Turn your anxieties over to God as Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, casting all of your care or your worries, your anxiety on him for he cares for you. And furthermore in Psalm 55, 22 where we read, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. We cannot be shaken. We cannot be moved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And just a few verses later in Psalm 56, verse 3, in times of uncertainty is where your trust in the Lord shines through, saying, what time I am afraid, I will trust in you. For the Lord is saying, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Oh, I hope you're catching what I'm saying, church. I believe that you are, but hallelujah. Remembering that Jesus is the firm foundation. He cannot be moved. He cannot be shaken. And if we are attached to that firm foundation, we cannot be moved. Uh, Try as they might, the giants that come in your life will try to detach you from the firm foundation. But stay grounded, O oh child of God. Stay secured. Stay in the Word. Keep yourself in Jesus. It may not make sense, but it's all the sense that you need to get through. You know, when I think about it not making sense, we see this battle with David and Goliath and all he had was a sling and a stone. But the reason he had that is because, again, he, he knew how to use it. So people were looking like, how's that going to work? How's that? Maybe some of them have never seen him. 
rocks and you'll sling one of them stones at the, at the bears or at the whatever the predators were that would come his way. Maybe they never saw it, so they're like, so you're going to use this and one of those leather straps that you've got over there to defeat this giant? Yeah. You know, maybe some uncertainty crept into their mind. But you see David, <laughs> David and, and you, you know, others might not be able to see your struggle. They may not see the struggle that you're going through. They may not see the giant that you're seeing. And they may think, oh, I don't know if he's ever going to get through that. But there you are standing face to face with that giant with your sling and your stone saying, I know I can use this. I know I can use this, but it's not my power. It's not my might. It's him that's going to help me through it, and you're going to sling it. I'm not really going to throw it, but you're going to sling it, and that giant's going to fall. You know why? Because God has given you the power to do so. Somebody needs to receive that power today from the Lord. Somebody needs to receive that word today saying, others may not understand it, but you've got a giant that you're facing right now, and the only way to defeat that giant is to knock it down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm reminded of what I preached a few weeks back. It's been ooh, a few months now. Of This is how I fight my battles. How? I fight them on my knees in the prayer room where I continue to gather those stones that I need to carry with me. I've always got a backup if I ever need one. I've got a full bag of them. I've never let that stash run dry. I fight them with my hands lifted in praise and worship to God. I fight them in times of intercession and prayer for others. I am always ready, whether I face a giant today or not. And trust me when I say, the Lord is quick to remind me when I need to pull from that pile again that I have stored up, that maybe my bag's running a little empty, hallelujah, and I need to start gathering some again because I'm getting low. The Lord is quick to remind me of that. Say, hey, hey, you're slacking a little bit. Get into my word. Get into my word, which is forever settled in heaven. My word, which is quick and powerful, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as you collect those that you need and meditate on his word and continue in prayer, the Lord will quicken those to you as well. Those words that you've read, those words that he's planted in your heart and in your mind. Hallelujah. Because remember, he is the ever-present help <laughs> in time of need. Hallelujah. Remember that God is in trouble. Hallelujah. He, he's not the author of trouble, but he's right there in the midst of your trouble. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful to be reminded of just that, that he is my ever-present help in time of need, that he is in my trouble with me. Because as you have heard declared across this pulpit many times again, that God is in trouble. No, he's not being punished like a child who has done wrong. He's not being sent to some corner for some thing that he did or to be disciplined, but get, rather God is in trouble. He is with you when you're in trouble. Uh, he's with you always, even to the end of the earth. He is with you in the battles that you face. He is with you in the struggles that you face. Hallelujah. He is with you in the frustrations that come your way. He is with you wherever you go. He doesn't just meet you. Ah, ah. Come on, stand with me all over this place. We've got a couple minutes here. But listen to me. Listen here. He doesn't just meet you at the door of the Church of Omaha and leave you when you leave. No, he's with you as you drive or as you walk home. 
He's with you when you walk into your home. He's with you when you walk in the door of your job on Monday or Tuesday. He's with you when you walk into the store on Wednesday or Thursday. He is with you always. Oh, that a godly confidence would begin to rise up in this place saying, Lord, I am confident in you. I desire your confidence today. Go ahead and pray to the Lord saying, I need you, God. I need your courage. I need your strength. You are my all in all. You are my everything. Receive that, church. Receive that today. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, he goes before you. He stands beside you. Hallelujah. He is with you always. He is with you always. Hallelujah. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. We're going to take a quick 10-minute break. Come back at 11.20 uh, for our second half of service. In Jesus' name.